National Kidney Month is just flying by. This is actually the last week and I doubt I'll be able to post the rest of the 1 in 9 chapter before next month. But then again, it's always Kidney Month for those of us with chronic kidney disease. By the way, thank you to the reader who made it a point of telling me she can't wait to read the rest of the chapter. So, let's get started. Nephrologist Switch The new one was much better for me. He explained again and again until I understood and he put up with a lot of verbal abuse when this panicky new patient wasn't getting answers as quickly as she wanted them. Luckily for me, he graciously accepted my apology. After talking to the nephrologist, I began to realize just how serious this disease was and started to wonder why my previous nurse practitioner had not caught this. When I asked her why, she responded, it was inconclusive testing. Sure it was. Because she never ordered the GFR tested, that had been incidental. I feel there's no sense crying over spilled milk, or destroyed nephrons, in this case, but I wonder how much more of my kidney function I could have preserved if I'd known about my CKD earlier. According to the Mayo Clinic, there are 13 early signs of chronic kidney disease. I never experienced any of them, not even one. While I did have high blood pressure, it wasn't uncontrollable which is one of the early signs. Many, like me, never experienced any noticeable symptoms. Unfortunately, many, like me, may have had high blood pressure, hypertension, for years before CKD was diagnosed. Yet, high blood pressure and diabetes are the two leading causes of CKD. I find it confusing that uncontrollable high blood pressure may be an early sign of CKD, but hypertension itself is the second leading cause of CKD. Here's the part about my researching. I was so mystified about what was happening and why it was happening that I began an extensive course of research. My nephrologist did explain what everything meant, I think, but I was still too shocked to understand what they were saying. I researched diagnoses, descriptions of tests, test results, doctor's reports, you name it. Slowly, it began to make sense, but that understanding only led to more questions and more research. You've probably already guessed that my world changed during that first appointment. I began to excuse myself for rest periods each day when I went back east for a slew of family affairs right after. I counted food groups and calories at these celebrations that summer. And I used all the errand running associated with them as an excuse to speed walk wherever I went and back so I could fit in my exercise. Ah, but that was just the beginning. My high blood pressure had been controlled for 20 years at that time, but what about my diet? I had no clue there was such a thing as a kidney diet until the nutritionist explained it to me. I'm a Miller's granddaughter and ate anything, and I do mean anything, with grain in it, breads, muffins, cakes, croissants, all of it. I also liked lots of chicken and fish. Not the 5 ounces per day I'm limited to now. The nutritionist explained to me how hard protein is on the kidneys. As is phosphorus. And potassium. And, of course, sodium. Out went my daily banana, too high in potassium. Out went restaurant burgers, larger than my daily allowance of protein. Chinese food? Pizza? Too high in sodium. I embraced an entirely new way of eating because it was one of the keys to keeping my kidneys functioning in stage 3. I was in a new food world. I'd already known about restricting sodium because I had high blood pressure, but these other things? I had to keep a list of which foods contain them how much was in each of these foods, and a running list of how much of each I had during the day so I knew when I reached my limit for that day. Another critical piece of slowing down CKD is medication. 
I was already taking meds to lower my blood pressure when I was first diagnosed with CKD. Two more prescriptions have been added to this in the last decade, a diuretic that lowers my body's absorption of salt to help prevent fluid from building up in my body, edema, and a drug that widens the blood vessels by relaxing them. I take another drug for my brand new diabetes. Bye-bye, sugars and most carbs, the funny thing is now my favorite food is salad with extra virgin olive oil and balsamic vinegar. I never thought that would happen, I was a chocoholic. Exercise, something I loved until my arthritis got in the way, was also important. I was a dancer. Wasn't that enough? Ah, I had to learn about cardio and strength training exercise, too. It was no longer acceptable to be pleasantly plumb. My kidneys didn't need the extra work. Hello to weights, walking, and a stationary bike. I think I took sleep for granted before CKD, too and I now make it a point to get a good night's sleep. A sleep apnea device improved my sleep, and my kidney function rose. I realized I needed to rest, too. Instead of giving a lecture, running to an audition, and coming home to meet a deadline, I slowly started easing off until I didn't feel like I was running on empty all the time. The result was that I ended up graciously retiring from both acting and teaching at a local college, which gave me more time to work on my CKD awareness advocacy. There's so much more to tell you about my personal CKD journey. And you'll read more of it next week. Although, I should remind you that the entire book is available in print and digital on both Amazon.com and B&N.com, just as the entire Slow It Down CKD series of books is. Until next week. Keep living your life.